My relatives came to this country in the early 20th century from Germany and, and from Italy. And they settled in, uh, the Italians settled in northern Wisconsin and the Germans in, in southern Minnesota. And as many of you know, uh, especially the, uh, the Italians, the Catholics, uh, who came over in the early 20th century suffered an incredible amount of, of racism and bigotry. And so they settled on, on these farms. And they were, my parents grew up pretty poor, pretty meager and difficult lifestyle. Um, I remember in the summers we'd go to, my sister and I, to southern Minnesota to visit my relatives, um, aunts and uncles on their farms. And uh, I remember one summer we had to walk beans. I'm like, here, grab a hoe. This is going to be fun. It was horrible. <laughs> one summer, my Uncle Merle ran me over with a hail ba uh, bailing wagon. My foot is still crooked when I walk. I'm not joking. <laughs> this one's off. I think it's this one. <laughs> it really happened. Uh, but it, you know, these visits made it very clear to me how hard this life was. How hard my, my relatives worked for what they had. How much they had to overcome. And both my parents uh, were able to graduate high school, but they both worked blue-collar jobs their entire lives and worked hard so that my sister and I could go to college, could have a good education. The privilege, I guess, that I enjoyed was relatives choosing not to be victims, but overcoming the disparity, the bigotry, the racism, and seizing their destiny for themselves, not expecting it to be given to them, not expecting anything, not expecting somebody else to make life fair, but choosing to work hard. I was taught early on, nothing in life is given to you. Nothing in life is given to you. You don't really deserve it. You don't deserve a fair life. You don't deserve handouts. You have to work hard. I think we've become, in many ways, a culture that thinks we deserve a whole lot more than we do. We think we, the government, we deserve so many things from the government, from other people, from on and on and on. We've, and I, it's nobody here, you know. It's a, the other church down the street. But, you know, those people out there, you know, have, <laughs> you know, we, what's happened is just, it's a cultural phenomenon that, there's been this sort of incorporation of victim identity. Now, many people are victims. That's true, and it's real. But you don't have to take on the whole identity so that it defines you. And people remain stuck in this identity. And, and consequently, if they see themselves first through the lens of I'm a victim, then everybody else owes them something. This is not the path to freedom, even if people are legitimately victims, as many of us are. There's no way to get out of that because we're always relying on somebody else to liberate us. 
There's only one way to come through all of that. That's through our own agency, our own action, and through the grace of God. Now here in the gospel today, we have a woman who very well could have been a victim, as many, many women were, especially in that time. And she doesn't go to Jesus and say, you owe me. She doesn't go to God and say, you owe me. She basically has this disposition of, I realize I don't deserve anything. I deserve nothing. But please, give me this gift anyway. From God's perspective, I mean, if you look at the scriptures, look at the theology, from God's perspective, what do you think he thinks he owes us? Nothing. From God's perspective, what do you think we, he thinks we deserve? That's absolutely clear in the scriptures. Absolutely clear. There's no way to say this politely. There's no way to sugarcoat this. From God's perspective, we all deserve damnation. Absolutely clear in the scriptures. We deserve it. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve a good life. We don't deserve breaks going our way. We don't deserve grace. None of it. That's not, from God's perspective, it's clear. And it has to be that way. If it's not that way, then that act on the cross loses all of its power. Because it, it's too much. If we deserve heaven, why, God di- why did God die on the cross? It's too much. We don't deserve it. And that's what makes it so amazing. And if we can't get our, our minds around the fact that we don't deserve it, then the gift of salvation ceases to be all that amazing. Ah, we're going to get it anyway. We're all good people. We're all going to heaven. Everyone's going to heaven. Dogs are going to heaven. Cats are going to heaven. Nobody wants spiders to go to heaven. It's an interesting consideration, but we won't go there. Our disposition toward what we think God owes us is incredibly important because it shapes our entire spirituality. If we think God owes us salvation, then we have claims on God. I mean, there's a certain amount that the the government does owe us, and there's a certain amount that we do owe each other, certain things, respect, kindness. I mean, that's true. All of that is true. But when we look at what God owes us, nothing. God cannot be in debt to us. We are in debt to him. And he chose to set it up, the whole history of salvation. St. Paul talks about this. It's a very interesting and almost strange sort of consideration, the way that Paul looks at it. Paul kind of looks at this, this dynamic of salvation almost like God wanted it to be this way. Of course, you would say, well, well, Father, if you understand God's sovereign will, then obviously he wanted it to be that way. Otherwise, it wouldn't be that way because that's the way it works. Okay, I get that. But the way Paul phrases it is, the Lord 
almost intended for us to fall into sin so that he could save us. Like, you know, throwing somebody in, into the lake who can't swim just so you can be the hero. That's to save them. That's, that's a little rough, you know, but that's, that's a bit of an analogy. It's, but to understand it the way that Paul is understanding it, he's trying to highlight the significance of the act of God. That God wanted to be the one to save us. That God knew that in creating us, we would misuse our free will. Because from God's perspective, he sees everything happening now. Past, future, present, everything is now. So he knew it was going to happen. He knew in a sense that the gift of free will was going to fail in his creation. And yet he built into, as it were, the system, the mechanism by which we would be saved, namely through his Son. So when we're looking at our lives in relationship to God then, we're saying our prayers, when we're looking at our future, when we're wondering what's going to happen to us, what's going to happen to our country, what's going to on and on and on, God doesn't owe us anything. God doesn't owe us a fair life. God doesn't owe us anything beneficent. God chooses to give us good gifts. It's all free. It's all free. It's like a, you know, sometimes when you, you do the present thing, ah, I got to get him a present. I'm going to the birthday party. I got to get a present. I got to give him something. There's none of that in God. Everything is free. He doesn't feel obliged in any way. And so, in our prayer, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. Maybe we don't say, Lord, I'm a dog. But, Lord, I don't deserve anything. Nonetheless, please give me this great gift. And why not you? And why not me? And why not us? That woman didn't deserve it. She didn't probably expect anything. But God still gave her the gift. And we may not think we're good enough. God doesn't say that. If we weren't good enough, he wouldn't have saved us. We are incredibly valuable and precious to God. So why not us? So be steadfast in your prayer. Be firm in your prayer, asking the Lord for good things, but do not expect a thing. Expect that the love will come, the grace we need will come, And maybe not what we ask for, but what we need, God will give us. Please stand.